From Swoop, it's Take the Plunge, a podcast about how business owners decided to stop what they were doing and took the plunge to start their own business. We take a look at how they came to that decision and what those first crucial steps were in getting their business up and running. My name's Kieran, and I'll be your host for this episode. Here's what you can expect on today's episode. The further I go, the more I realise that it's you know it's all about the kind of people and you know who who you spend your life with. And I think that yeah um, just adds so much joy to the whole the, the whole thing. And, you know, it's, it's just really fun working with like you know just good, nice, excited people. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Hector Hughes, co-founder at Unplugged. Unplugged are on a mission to help busy city workers unplug from their devices so that they can recharge. They provide beautiful cabins, just an hour from city life for you to truly switch off and choose amazing wellness experiences to enjoy during your stay. Hector, you're very, very welcome. Uh, how are you doing today? All well. Thank you so much for, for having me. Awesome. Um, so if I could bring you back to the very beginning, Hector, what were you doing before starting Unplugged and why did you decide to stop doing that and get started with Unplugged? So myself and my co-founder actually used to work together for a tech startup. Uh, we both joined at university. He was employee number one. I was employee number four or five. And it was iPad till systems. So if you go into a restaurant or a cafe yeah. and they use an iPad with till. So we, we did the whole kind of high growth, international expansion, opened up offices in, in the US and Australia and grew to 70 awesome. people. We ultimately did an international expansion as well, but that's, a, that's a, another story. But um, <laughs> I was there for three years. My co-founder left in 2018. I spent the first year doing sales, wasn't, wasn't great at that. Then um, they put me on product, ran that for a year, wasn't much better, and then spent a year running growth. Yeah. And in that last year running growth, it was 2019, I just got a bit burnt out with it all, you know, I was uh, flying mm. around the world to, to set up these offices, you know, I had a fairly busy social life, spending all day on my phone and um, just, just kind of really lost my joy for life. And uh, yeah. seeing this, a, frec- a friend recommended um, I would go to a silent retreat in the Himalayas in, uh, oh, yeah. and I uh, initially kind of laughed this off, thought, you know, I, I yeah. can't do that stupid idea. But, you know, eventually came around to the idea. So September 2019, flew to the Himalayas and, um, yeah, spent 10 days at this very picturesque Buddhist temple on, on top of a mountain. Um, okay. And the best thing about that was when you get there, they take your phone off you and you spend 10 days cut off from the outside world. So very cliche, but um, I came back and quit my job a week later. And that was off the back of a conversation with Ben. So we'd, we'd stayed friends. Went for a drink. I told him about this silent retreat. He confessed to me that uh, he was racking up seven hours a day screen time. And you know, Ben is is very much not the kind of guy you'd find at silent retreat anytime soon. And yeah. uh, we spoke about how you know there's a lot of stigma still around retreats and meditation. Mm. There's so much of the benefit is just getting people offline and, and into nature. So yeah, we we set out to do something about it. And we'd heard about this tiny house movement in other countries. So there's some really cool cabin startups in the US and Australia. So I actually flew out to the US to stay with a company called Getaway out there and flew to Belgium to stay with a company called Slow Cabins and got there, was super excited to get off my phone, put it in the the box provided. And then half an hour later, I made excuses and was was straight back on it. So we realized we were actually going to have to lock people's phones away. So so yeah, that's, that's where the concept came from. So we put cabins an hour from City Life. People go, yeah. literally padlock their phones in a box. We give them a map and a Nokia and leave them to it. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and just curious, talk me through this island retreat for a moment. Like uh, day one, day two, like is a bit like 
are you getting withdrawal symptoms or are you just like getting straight into it? What's, what's it like? Yeah, yeah. So it's a real, it's a real roller coaster. It's what we found with our, you know, so we do these kind of three night digital detoxes now. And what we found with that as well is it takes about a day for the mind to settle down. So the first day you're actually uh, kind of more anxious. Um, but this, yeah. yeah the, so, so at the, at the silent retreat, um, you know, really, it's a real roller coaster that you really kind of go through. So it was half um, Buddhist philosophy and half meditation. So we spend you know, three, four hours a day meditating and three, four hours a day uh, in, in kind of Buddhist teaching. And um, you you really go through the whole kind of the whole process. Like day, I tell you what, the, the biggest thing you notice day one is just because you're sitting with like a straight back. And you know, I was used to however many years of just like slouching in a in a chair. Yeah. So. I feel like I should be sitting up more right. <laughs> By day one, your back is just aching. You say, I'm never, yeah. never going to get through this. But then it's remarkable to kind of see your, your body adjust and you kind of yeah. come around to it. So, so yeah, that was it. And then we did, it was eight days like that. And the last two days were just intense meditation. So it was like you know, five, six hours a day meditating. And honestly, you came out of it just buzzing. Like, it felt so good yeah. afterwards. Yeah, it's crazy. And, like, and you just like had that hyper kind of change moment where you're like, your head's just going all over the place and then you're kind of like really focus in towards the end or is it something that gradually becomes easier to do as the, the days go through? Yeah, it's interesting. It's one of those things where like it, looking back, it kind of changed, it obviously changed a lot, but but like came out of it, like, you, you kind of feel really good. You didn't feel that different. It wasn't like I came out and yeah. was like, right, I'm going to quit my job and all these, all these things. So I actually came back to London, you know, thinking to like crack on with my, my current job. Mm. Um, so it was, this startup again, we were like 70 people um, and we had to fly straight back after the retreat for a leadership meeting. So we were like quarterly planning yeah. and um, like two, we were trying to raise like a 10 million series A at the time. And two days into that, the series A fell through. So it was like the last, okay. the last hope said no. Um, so that yeah. day we had to close the US and Australian office. Uh, I was running growth at the time. Uh, so literally, you know, overnight we stopped marketing spend. So I just had a week twiddling my thumbs. So, mm. um, and you know, that was really the catalyst. It was a bit of a perfect storm. I was obviously in a great headspace after a treat. It, kind of this mm. is, this has happened at work, and, and then going for a drink with Ben, and it was like, well, you know, <laughs> now it's kind of the perfect time to go and do something. Mm. So, um, so yeah, you know, you, you think you come out with with the kind of clear picture of of what life would be, but I still needed that that push. And in terms of kind of getting yourself then from the push into starting with Unplugged, were you kind of scoping out ideas for a while or did you go straight straight into it? No, I'm, I'm very uh, kind of impulsive, I guess, when it comes to this. I'm, I'm much more, I, spent, we, I spoke with Ben, then I spent three hours on a Friday night Googling it and I was like, yeah, this is probably a runner and then quit on, on yeah. Monday. So Love it. I'm not, I'm not, I think the best, you know, yeah. some, some people could spend months um, yeah, yeah, yeah. researching there's no right way to do it but i firmly you know actually getting started is is, is the best yeah. market research in my opinion and in terms of like getting started obviously you said you went over to the states went over to belgium saw that the whole phone thing was a pretty crucial element once you kind of copped that what were kind of next steps in terms of getting you up and running yeah for sure so i mean the the great thing about because i think there's so many like getting started is the hardest thing right like once you've got off 100%. the ground um the momentum kind of carries you through. We had a great, I'll call it a, a forcing function with, with the cabins, which is that 
you know, by ordering a cabin. So, so we ordered a cabin before we had the money, before we had the land to put it, you know, any of those things. And that is really good because it means we, we don't have to figure it out, right? That we had a, yeah, yeah. you know, 40, forcing the issue. Yeah, yeah. So we had like a 40, 50 grand cabin coming. No, no means to pay for it, nowhere to put it. <laughs> uh, and then the pandemic hit. So it was like, fuck, you know, so all of our, sorry, sorry for swearing, but it was like, uh, all, no, 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 all, all our, you know, we were trying to raise money at the time. All those conversations died. We, we had a couple of sites lined up that those died as well. So we were sat there in like March, April, um, 2020 with this like cabin being built uh, and <laughs> no money to pay for it and nowhere to fill it so but but you know that really focuses the mind I'd say it does I, 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 and then i suppose because so obviously as you say you've got 40 50k bill there and um, no one's laid out of their homes uh so what, what's the plan yeah so, so we um really just kind of scraped scraped together money wherever we could get it so we did uh, 30k friends and family um, friends and family yeah. around. It was sadly we're not SCIS uh, qualified because mm-hmm. it's because of the accommodation nature of the business. Ah, so, yes, yes, yes. so yeah, managed to scrape together. We wanted to do fifty k with friends and family, but got to got to thirty. We got to twenty three and then added another seven a bit later on. So it was really scrappy. Yeah. And then we got a fifteen k Virgin startup loan. So like we yeah, we great. really scraped it. And then my co founder was still working at the time. I was full time. He, he was still working. So he was kind of picking up extra bills and kindly feeding me a bit of salary as well. So we, we really, the, the great thing about it is it's a very simple business, right? You just get a cabin. <laughs> you know, you start, start yeah. with one cabin in, in uh, you know, in the countryside. So so we, we could get it up um, easily, which was great. And I think that uh, actually put us in very good stead going forward. So being so constrained at the start. Um, um, and where did you find your first location? Because often we chat to first time businesses here, whether it's like, a coffee shop or a gym or anything it's like getting that first space or someone to give you a chance in that space is the hardest bit so in terms of you getting a location to put this um cabin how was that process yeah for sure so that was uh that was difficult and, and same as the second and third location so at the start getting land was the real mm. issue and I, I, as you say it's all about like credibility and that right like why mm-hmm. why are these two blokes going to be able to get this off the ground um <laughs> so we I just spoke to everyone we knew and you know cold emailed a bunch of farmers as well like 500 farmers um uh so, so i had a had you know probably had about 20 30 conversations this is all pre-covid i'd love to hear some what was the most random part i said you had some random conversations with a few of those farmers. honestly when, when to see all the sites and some of them was just like around the back of some bloke's house and he was like did you put it here i was like that's probably not the right spot so yeah i really really went through it all but um we found one site that we really liked um so we kind of had that you know had that um verbally yeah. verbally agreed and then COVID hit and, and that dropped out um because he said you know he, he just didn't think we'd get it off the ground during COVID, which mm. is which is fair, but then we knew we liked that part of the country, so it was a little mm-hmm. pocket between like Cambridge and, and Stevenage. There's a really beautiful bit of countryside, so um, I, I literally I was like, okay, I really need to find another site, and um, was planning to just cold call farmers. Like, I really couldn't be bothered to cold call, so it was like on my to do list for like a couple of weeks, and it's yeah, getting closer yeah, yeah, and closer. Yeah. I was like, okay, I've just got to do it, and then picked up the phone, called one one person literally. And she was like, oh, yeah, I was thinking of doing this. Like, why don't you come up and I've got a perfect no, site. And it was just the the, the best oh, site. Serendipity. Yeah, they, they were super, they have, they, they you know, are, were our first landowners and have been super supportive and helpful all the way. So, yeah, we really, really got lucky in the end. So 
you got uh, that lovely serendipitous moment of one cold call, one result. Uh, you got oh, so you got the cabin placed on him. So how did you then go and get uh, some guests to 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 get in there, or like? At what point, like during the whole COVID madness, were you able to kind of open up, so to speak? Yeah, for sure. So again, we got super lucky with the timing. So cabin was due for May. It got delayed a little bit just because we actually, so we were, we didn't know anything about cabins. So we thought we'd trust the Scandinavians. So we actually got it made with a Swedish company. Um, yeah. And the great thing about that is the Swedes didn't really get locked down. So they actually built it in Latvia. But ah, they did. The Latvians oh, yeah. as well just kind of cracked on with it. So... Um, we got our cabin in June, a couple of things were delayed, but it wasn't too bad. And then yeah. the UK government lifted regulations in July, so it started July, yeah. so it was literally perfect timing. Um, I think, you know, my, my experience with selling anything or launching anything is you expect everyone to rip your hand off, but then you launch and mm-hmm. you know, launch to, to cricket. So we, the, the first month we did 50% off of friends and family and literally got yeah. three bookings, uh, one of Ben's maids, my two sisters came to stay, and then we had one other person. Oh, really? and yeah, so it was, it was, it was uh, that first month with like, oh god, it's going to be a, a slog. Um, <laughs> so then we had another month of kind of legwork, but but then something yep. just really clicked, and we got uh, quite a big influencer coming to stay. We're just talking to him about investing, but then he's like, oh, I'll come and take some pictures and stuff. And then yeah. uh, and then you know the floodgate just opened, and you know, the Evening Standard wrote an article about us, and went, oh, went from getting like one book a week to like a book a day, and it's. It's been pretty nuts since then. How how addictive is that email coming through? Uh... Relief, relief is the <laughs> the feeling. <laughs> oh, all sorts of emotions. And then just kind of touching into that sort of things in terms of like the PR evening standard or using the influencers. Did you kind of have a bit of a mixed marketing approach at the beginning to see like how to to see the sales and kind of what were some of the things that kind of seemed to work or not work for you? Yeah, I mean that that part of the business has just been remarkable because it's it's we've just had non-stop organic, um, you know, inbound PR and influencers and and so on. So we really just kind of take every conversation we can have and absolutely throw it throw it against the wall and see what sticks. And we we've also had a ton of word of mouth. I think we kind of got a bit lucky. We start you know the the lock away the phones thing. Like weren't even yeah. thinking about this at the start, but that's actually it just makes it so easy to like tell your friends at the pub about, right? That there's a startup yeah. that locks your phone in the box in a, in a cabin. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, we, we, we just saw that all, you know, anything we tried to do on marketing failed miserably, but, but luckily there was all this stuff, all this stuff happening behind the scenes. So yeah, we've been, we've been lazy on marketing, but you know, that um, we've been fully booked since. So it's been remarkable. Amazing. And then, as you started to get the the bookings come through, those relief moments, uh, what have you looked to in terms of kind of building out the team or growing the business? Have you looked to bring in new hires or just increase kind of your spend in certain areas? Yeah, for sure. So obviously the big bottleneck with this is supply of cabins. And a, yeah. a lot of people have looked at doing this in the UK um, and not managed to get it off the ground. And that's because you, you need to have momentum in all the areas. So you know, capital, mm-hmm. demand, um, land, etc. So uh, it was really, you know, we spent the first, I would say, six months messing around with that first cabin, just figuring out how we were going to scale this. So there's some particular mm-hmm. challenges around you know, off-grid energy. Like our first cabin was running out of solar power in July. So we're like, this isn't, get, this isn't getting through the winter. But, but then we managed to kind of sort, sort that one out in the end, which is great. Um, so, so, yeah, and then this year has been all about scaling up. So we raised a, a 300K pre-seed um, at the start of the year. Again, nice. kept it super lean, so we 
it was just myself and Ben until June when we brought on a head of operations, Tom, who um, yeah, who, who's been fantastic. He's been he's been life changing getting him on board. <laughs> and, and when you were when you were trying to identify Tom, like what were the kind of attributes that you were looking for? Uh, where 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 you yourself and Ben were were kind of maybe needing some support? Yeah, for sure. So it, it was really someone to own that operations function. I, I think you know Ben and I were were juggling it and doing an okay job, but not great. Um, yeah. So it was it was someone who uh, had had some experience there, some early stage startup experience, and then. You know, I, I we did a lot of hiring at this uh, previous startup we worked at, a lot of bad hiring and some good hiring. Uh, so we learned a few lessons there. And mm-hmm. I think hiring for personality is huge, and you know, just yeah. just people who are like bright, you know, really kind of get it, and then like energetic, have a kind of you know a bit of an entrepreneurial mindset. And I'm throwing out a few buzzwords here. And, and last, yeah, no, but I I I completely um, get it. Yeah, it's it's so important. Like especially in the early stages when it's like two, three, four, five. There's no point in taking that mantra of like, oh, we should have loads of differences. It's like I think that's a bit bollocks. It's like, no, I need people that were really gonna energize and, and get on very well and click. Yeah, and I think the big thing was that like, you know, Ben and I came to this with no industry experience or anything. So like we, we did a we did a good enough job to get stuff off the ground, but like, you know, really finding the right people to take all of the individual functions to the next level has been mm. has been key. Um, so so yeah, because at my previous startup, at our previous startup, you know, it was very much hire people as cheap as possible and and kind of very top down. So and then just gotcha. where rather than kind of bring people in and then empowering them to like own that function and, mm. and take away. You know, I was one of those hires. Was, I was a rubbish <laughs> hire. <you know>, hire <laughs> me in sales. I barely made a sales. Really <laughs> Yeah, hopeless. But uh, so I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to hire another one of me. So, um, so that's been great. Yeah, I, I really think, and, and just, just, I mean, the, the whole experience has been, you know, just phenomenal and, and very fulfilling. But um, yeah. you know, the, the further I go with it, the more I realise that it's, you know, it's all about the kind of people and you know who who you spend your life with. And I think that yeah. um, just adds so much joy to the whole the, the whole thing. And you know, it's, it's just really fun working with like, you know, just good, nice, excited people. Yeah. And uh, on the kind of the pre-seed 300,000, how did you find that experience? Was that a bit of a slog or was it a lot easier now that you had statistics, land, cabin, um, or like any equity raises paying the ass? Yeah, it's a slog. <laughs> yeah. I'm, raising, I'm raising the seed round at the moment. Um, which we're getting, uh, we're getting there with. Uh, so yeah. now in the seed, I, I thought... I thought... And I, have you guys gone crowdfunding side of things? I can imagine your proposition lends itself very nicely to kind of that 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 side of things yes we've done um we've we've done it all via kind of angels so far um yeah and then we are looking at doing because crowdfunding is great but you've got to jump you've got to jump through a lot of hoops right yeah it's and also bringing the like there's something a bit sickening about bringing like a third of the capital to the table and then them charging you for the third that you you brought out it, it's psychologically very wounding to 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 take that on plus you then obviously have to do the investment in all the collateral the marketing and stuff like that which can be uh, retrofitted for all their kind of marketing purposes as well for sure but it, it is a bit of a hit to the bottom line no doubt but there's some good there's some good models so we do get a lot of guests asking if they can invest which is cool and um there's uh a founder I know just connected me with a company, I can't remember their name, um, who create these kind of SPVs that allows you to you know, bundle all of your 
smaller ticket people together and, and go and yes. one, one uh, yeah. the cap table. So you can do some kind yeah. of DIY it's, it's crowdfunding. Event, yeah, because essentially that's what the Cedars Park gives you with the single nominee structure. Because like that's the one thing you want to avoid massively having like a cap table with like 2,000 people on there that you have to try <laughs> update and the person that's put in 250 pounds is asking you really niche questions. So definitely... Definitely to be avoided. And and did you ever look at like because um, obviously if you're if you're continuously adding on the, the cabin side of things, that's that that's the hard asset side of things. And traditionally asset finance is pretty favorable when it comes to rates and things like that. How, did you ever look at that as a possible possible route? It's a bit it's a big part of our strategy for scaling. So we've we've, yeah. we've got our first two asset financing deals over the line. I mean the the challenge there is um just trading history right and track record and you know. yeah absolutely so the, the absolutely. further we go the the bigger part of the strategy yeah. that will be um yeah and then it's just you know thinking about how to build that balance sheet right because that's obviously yeah. one of the dangers is you end up over leveraged but it's a you know it's a, it's a problem that's been kind of uh, tried and tested before so uh, hopefully hopefully it's not rocket science but i'm sure we'll figure it out yeah <laughs> uh and and then i suppose getting back to to growing the business outside of financing uh you've obviously got your sites north and south in london is the plan to kind of continue in around the kind of london area or have you kind of got your sites set on other cities and other locations now what's what are, what's your kind of thinking there yeah well i mean it's, it's really to um kind of make the most of the, the london market first and foremost we want to kind of get yep. get to some sort of scale here um but, but certainly i mean we're, we're just wrapping up a, a seed round at the moment which kind of lets us um you know give us the, the kind of runway to to start that UK expansion next year. Yeah. Uh, and, and ultimately the, the goal is Europe. So, you know, uh, it's really kind of just just go as fast as we can with this. But yeah, there's, there's obviously great traction, great tailwind. So it's really about making the most of that. And are you getting much kind of insights from like the, the customers that are using the log cabins at the moment in terms of what you need to do from a new product development point of view in that like, I need this type of a cabin or we should have a slightly different range like do you get lots of feedback in through that way yeah we do get a lot of feedback we um my co-founder sends a email to everyone who comes to stay asking for feedback and we probably get a 50 percent. so a lot of it's like you know the coat uh, hook was loose <laughs> there's, there's a lot of good stuff in there as well yeah. um uh, so we we really changed the we changed the whole layout after the first cabin um you know based yeah. on based on customer feedback and now we've so we're just installing cabins eight and nine now so we're um, we've kind of done a few of that model and then, you know, it's kind of pausing and taking up more feedback on board. So, yeah, but, but yeah, it's a constant iteration. Um, I, I, you know, spoken to people at Unyoked in Australia and, um, you know, the slow cabins in Belgium and, you know, they say you never get the cabins right, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> there's always something you could improve. But there's always someone complaining about a coat hanger, so there's not much you can do. <laughs> we'll get that for the thousands of cabins. Yeah. Although I suppose on that, you, when we've chatted to, to people, not to say directly similar businesses, but definitely service-led businesses, the power of reviews and, and the kind of trepidation around reviews coming in, like how have you managed that and uh, managed that kind of customer online experience? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so, so we haven't listed on any review platforms yet. I think we do, do someone did give us a, someone opened us a trust, trust pilot and gave us a five-star review, which is nice. But Great. it was, um, again, like the we've been lazy on marketing so it's just something we haven't had to look at yet um but i, I do think it's good i mean one so at our previous startup that trust pilot was everything and what it meant is like 
the the company was just overly focused on that because like it's, it's almost like pandora's box right like once you start doing it then every time there's a one-star review everyone's going to jump on it and bury yeah. it and yeah yeah so it's it, it really turns into kind of all-consuming so you know like the the focus from our end is just make the best product possible in these early stages and like you know that obviously as you say creates serendipity and kind of spreads the spreads the word um so, so yeah it'll be interesting to see how and when and if we we layer that into the the, the whole offering and marketing and i suppose then with the uh, investment uh hopefully coming in touch wood very soon uh what is what's the plan obviously you touched on potentially other uk expansion are there kind of roles you're looking to bring in or things you're looking to do a bit differently now that you have a bit more capital yeah for sure so, so there's there's kind of two key roles i mean the, most of that's going towards cabins as i say like asset yeah. financing will become a bigger part of the scale but in these early stages to keep the kind of speed we want to go at then it's, it's just you know deploying new cabins so we can grow the supply um the, the two key roles that we're missing uh one is Someone's really own marketing, so so head of marketing again. You know, yep. my co-founder does it kind of part time along with a lot of the guest stuff. So he's a he's a, a busy busy guy at the moment. Um, so, yeah. but I think you really need someone who is thinking about it. You know, first thing in the morning and, and every day. Um, you know, who can kind of really get into the weeds and you know speak to customers, put all the tracking and reporting in place, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Set, set that strategy. So so yeah, we'll we'll go out and get. a Get head of marketing in, and then also someone on the, the finance side again. I'm dealing with it all now, and it's a, it's a <laughs> messy behind the scenes, but this is good enough. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, some, some what are you what are you using uh, like a QuickBooks or what what kind of do you use any kind of sort? We're working yeah. with an accountant as well, so it's good to have some yeah. some ad- pretty key to get those independent accountants in sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, you know, it's just death by thousand cut you've just got endless payments and so on yeah so just, exactly just starting to build out that function will be um will be really good yeah actually final kind of question for me uh often we ask kind of like some of the tools that you find useful as a kind of a young startup like people sometimes say slack or they'll say their quickbooks or something like that is there any kind of software or tool or thing that you guys have used that really helped you yeah 100 percent. there's a couple that have just been incredible one of them is seed legals um just handled oh yes yeah, really yeah. really good yeah honestly very good for um, a cap table but yeah exactly and, and just like uh, simplifying the investment process. Um, so mm. I would recommend that to any startup. Uh, the other one is Canva. Canva is so great. Like, oh, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 cheap and so free as well. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, so my my co-founder does uh, you know most of our materials, like investment materials, all of these kind of things. Yeah. And we always get comments. Oh my god, who designed it? Makes a huge difference. It's just yeah, it's huge just a difference. Canva template. So. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so, so those two are great, and then yeah, all the all the basics in you know, Slack, Gmail, and G Suite. Yeah. You can do a lot of damage with those. So, uh, yeah, keep yeah. it simple. No, good shape. Uh, Hector, can't thank you enough. Like that couldn't have had more good nuggets in there. Um, and uh, I love I love the story. Love starting from a, a ten day silent retreat and uh, getting to where you are now. Uh, wish you all the best with the fundraise and uh, the expansion look forward to to seeing where unplug go need to get myself in one of the cabins as well um but thanks uh, so much for coming on and chatting to us today for sure thank you so much for having me it's been uh, it's been fun 